Amen. You may be seated and welcome. And it's so good to worship, isn't it? Just to let your heart go, to be connected with the Lord Jesus. I think sometimes, you know, it, the Lord loves our worship. But I think there's just times where we just so desperately need that. We need to be reminded of who he is and what he has done for us. I would ask you to take your Bibles, if you would, and find your way to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to grab one of the Bibles in front of you. And uh, we're going to be looking at this incredible fourth chapter of, of Ephesians. If you have one of those black Bibles, you can find Ephesians chapter 4 on page 919. Well, the Christian life is not just about change. It's about radical change. If you are in Christ, your life has been radically changed. Think about this. The dead become alive. Dark becomes light. The lost are found. The enslaved are made free. The hopeless receive hope. The troubled receive joy. The distressed, peace. The old becomes new. The Christian life is about radical change. If you are in Christ, and I pray you are, you have been radically changed. And when you read Ephesians 1 through 3, it's all about the change. It's all about who we are in Christ. It's about our identity in Christ and the fact that we are made new. In fact, we've been talking about this, but I just want to do a quick review of who you are in Christ. Let me just put it up on the screen. Ten words. First of all, you're chosen. Before the foundation of the world, you were chosen. You were predestined. You've been adopted. You have a new family. You're part of the family of God. Third, you are loved. I think that's such an important word right there, to to know that no matter your background, no matter where you come from, you are loved. Unconditionally loved by God. You're accepted. You've been accepted in the beloved. You are blessed. You've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. You've been bought back. You've been forgiven. You've been forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future. I don't know about you, but that's good news. You're forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, when he took the penalty for your sins, when you... When you receive him, when you embrace him as Lord and Savior, you have been forgiven of your sins. Your heirs, your joint heirs with Christ. Ninth, you've been sealed. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Nothing. And listen, since you've been in Christ, I'm sure you've done some things that you think you don't deserve eternal life. But the fact is... We can do nothing to receive eternal life. We can do nothing to lose our eternal life. In Christ, you are sealed until the day of redemption. And finally, we even talked about this a little bit in the last couple of weeks. You've been gifted. You've been gifted. This is who you are. The Christian life is about radical transformation. And Paul's not saying this is who you will be one day. This is who you are right now, today. This is not something you have to work for. It is your identity. This is your testimony. 
Your life in Christ has been radically transformed. You were dead. He made you alive. And then Paul gets to chapter 4, and he turns this huge corner from who you are in Christ to now how you are called to live. And he talks about that in in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Based on all Christ has done, this is how you are now to live. The rest of this book, Paul gives us practical wisdom for walking, for living the Christian life. He addresses our character. He addresses our morals, our relationships, our marriages, our parenting, our work interactions, spiritual warfare, prayer life, and more. Paul's writing to to Christians. And the challenge for them, the challenge for each of us is to allow our practice to match our position, to, to start walking as we have received Christ. In fact, I think it's what Colossians chapter 2. As you've received Christ it, by faith, so therefore walk in him. This is who we are. This is how we're called to walk. The question is how? I'm going to put this on the screen. This is really the big idea of the message today. To walk worthy, we must put off the old life, the old self, and put on the new self. To walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called, we must put off the old self and put on the new self. We see that starting in verse 17 of chapter 4. Follow along as I read this. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, he says, Now, I, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old self, put on the new self. And some of you might be thinking, okay, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, and certainly it had to be a lot easier to, to, for the Christian walk 2,000 years ago. Well, think again. When Paul wrote this, Ephesus was a thriving metropolis. Had about 250,000 people that lived there. It was one of the leading commercial and, and cultural centers of the ancient world. It was known for its shops and theaters. People were consumed with materialism and idolatry, paganism and immorality. Sexual perversion was rampant. It was known for homosexuality and prostitutes. It was known for corruption and vice. And it was to this culture, it was to this community that Paul is writing for those that had received Christ in the midst of that culture. Doesn't seem a whole lot different than it does today, huh? It feels like the world we're living in today. So I want to give you, based on this scripture, this passage, two truths about our walk. Two different truths about our walk. Here's the first one. Our walk is different than it used to be. I should almost put a qualifier in there. Our walk is diff- it should be different than it used to be. 
Notice what Paul says again in verse 17. He says, now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, Paul is adamant here. In the language of the original Greek, he, he, in fact, the NIV says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Paul is adamant. When he says testify, it means I declare solemnly. So what is he so adamant about? That you, that's in the plural, the church, those that have received Christ, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Well, who are the Gentiles? Well, that was those that didn't know God. They've been living a life apart from God with, with really no governor, with no borders, with no boundaries. And when he says walk, he's saying it's, it's the idea of how you live, how you progress, and uh, how you progress, how you regulate your life. What he's saying is your present life should no longer look like your old life. In fact, if your present life looks like your old life, you've totally missed how you're called to be living. In fact, you're not walking a walk that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And so there's a challenge here. He's saying, if you've been radically transformed, start living like it. Live in a way that is totally different than your former way of life. And so he gives us three aspects of this former life. It kind of helps us to see, okay, how was I living? And the first way, first aspect of our former walk is our minds were futile. Our minds were futile. Look at verse 17 again. He says, now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Here it is. In the futility of their minds. Now that word futility, I looked it up. And it says this, incapable of producing any result, ineffective, useless, not successful, empty or vain, devoid of truth. And he's talking about in our minds, in the futility of our minds, in our uninformed minds. This speaks to their, of their mode of thinking, their mode of understanding. And you've got to see here, Paul's not dealing with specific sins He's dealing with a mindset that leads to sins. It's the futility of their minds. The fact is, before Christ, we all walked with a disoriented mind in the futility of our minds. Think about what used to fill your mind before Christ. Now, it's not too hard for me and Pam. It's been 21 years since we received Christ. Now, we lived... A lot of years walking in the futility of, of our minds, uninformed about the things of God, with no boundaries, with no borders, kind of, there was, there was a way that seemed right to us, and that's the way we lived, based on philosophy, and based on traditions, and based on the culture. What Paul is saying here. No longer walk in the futility of your minds. That was our old life. In fact, Romans 1.21 speaks of this. Let me put it up on the screen for you. He says, for though they knew God, and he's talking about those that were unbelievers, they knew about God because the creations had declared God's glory. They, they could just look around. And they could see actually that there was a God. And, and so God says, Paul says in Romans 1.20, 
that they were without excuse. He says, for though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. But they became futile in their thinking and their hearts, their foolish hearts, were darkened. So the first aspect of our former walk is our minds were futile. The second aspect, our hearts were hardened. Our hearts were hardened. Look at verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And here it is. Due to the hardness of their hearts. That word harden. It's a word for mental stubbornness. It's a word for petrified. Unwilling to learn. When he talks about the heart, it's really the seat of our emotions the seat of our thoughts, our volition. What he's saying is because of their hardened hearts, they had shut off understanding. There was a darkness. There was no interest in God. And I would just say that that was me to a T. I mean, I absolutely had no interest in God before Christ. No interest in the one true God. Certainly I had little g gods. Work, relationships, Approval. But I was ignorant to the truth of God. And I was unwilling to be open to the reality of God. And as a result, I was darkened in understanding. I was alienated from the life of God. Notice where he says alienated from the life of God. That means separate from, against in Christ, we are, or before Christ, we are alienated. We are at enmity with God, the Bible tells us. And the fact is, this, this word ignorance, is a, it's a lack of knowledge. It's like you walk into a dark room. I was, I was, it was darkened. You walk into a dark room. And you've never been in that room before. What do you learn about that room? Nothing. You, you can't see anything. You don't understand what's going on in that room. But when the light is turned on, all of a sudden, you can see clearly what's going on. That's what Paul's talking about. Before Christ, you were darkened in your understanding. You had no understanding of God. In fact, when the light is flipped on, that's what happens when God saves us. He opens our eyes to the truth of who he is. And until that happens, we remain darkened, alienated, ignorant, Here's the problem. Paul's saying many of the believers are still walking that way. You're still walking as if you don't know the truth. You're acting blind. You're acting dark, darkened to the spiritual things. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, third, our flesh had total control. Okay, this is not a really good resume. Notice what he says in verse 19. They become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. I mean, Paul is saying they've given themselves up. In fact, that's Romans chapter 1, 24, 26, and 28, how, how we've given ourselves, we, God gave them up. God gave us up to the futility of our minds, to our flesh nature. We were controlled by the flesh. We were not walking in the Spirit. We were just going from experience to experience, looking for something to satisfy, always striving, but never getting to that point. You ever feel like that? 
1997, that was a really clear picture of our life. I mean, we thought we had it all. We had multiple businesses that were thrown off income. We were living in a home built by Howard Hughes. We had a house at Newport Beach. We had great cars. Pam had a great husband, for sure. (laughs) And we were completely unsatisfied, thinking there's got to be something else. That's who we used to be. And Paul's saying, that shouldn't be the way you're living today. Christ has given you everything you need for life and godliness. We had hard hearts to the things of God, and that is the origin of sensuality and pure impurity. He's saying they become calloused. In fact, I used to work construction in the summer times, and I would go to school. I was in college during the during the nine months a year, and I'd go home and I'd work construction. I remember always the first first couple weeks, my hands would be bleeding. Whether I, was, whether I was swinging a hammer or a sledgehammer or whipping weeds or whatever it was. I mean, within weeks, I mean, my hands were so bloody. But after a couple of weeks, I'd get calluses. My hands would become numb to what I was doing. And that's what he's saying. You become, he said they become calloused. They become numb to the things of God. And, and they've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. It's like... We live in this world, it's like a frog in a pot where things just continue to get worse and worse morally and we think like, we just become numb to it. Lord, let that not be so. Paul says, that's who you are. Some of you, and some of you are still walking that way. I had surrendered to ministry in 2001 and a couple years later I became the minister of spiritual development at a big church in Dallas where I got saved called Prestonwood and there was a young there was a man that was uh, he had been an attorney he became he started a full-time ministry really bright guy and he ended up um, being one of our singles pastors and I remember he left our church to go to another church and became assistant pastor there and we remained friends and then one day he asked if he could meet and so we met and he came in and he said I'm out of the ministry I'm thinking, you're out of the ministry. Here's a guy that got straight A's in, in seminary and really seemed to be doing a lot of ministry. He said, yeah. He said, uh, I was downloading, downloading pornography on my computer at the church and I got caught. And I just like, what? And he said, you know, what happened was I, I ended up seeing pornography when I was 12 years old. And I figured that by the time I got out of high school, I'd stop looking. Then he went to college, and he thought, you know, then I'll probably stop looking at it. And then he went to seminary, and he says, that'll, make, that'll get me to stop. And then he went into ministry. He says, maybe that'll get me to stop. He was living. He was walking like his whole old life. And ultimately, it put him out of ministry. Paul's saying, put it off. Don't live that way anymore. See, before Christ, that was each one of us. We were walking in the futility of our minds. We were practicing uh, sensuality, greedy, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But here's the point. If you're here today and you're not in Christ, this is who you are. Bad news. 
But the good news is you don't have to stay there because Christ did something for you. He went to the cross. Jesus came into this world. God became a man. He took off his royal robes. He took on flesh. He lived a perfect sinless life and he died a sacrificial death on the cross in your place that if you turn from your sin and turn to Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can have eternal life. You can be radically transformed. See, that old life doesn't have to be your story. So after all this darkness that Paul talks about, he transitions to an amazing word. Look at verse 20. He says, but, he says, but this is not the way you learn Christ. He's saying, listen, that lifestyle is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now notice what he says here. He doesn't say, this is not the way you learned about Christ. It's not saying that you learned facts about someone. So that caused you to change your lifestyle. It says you learned Christ. That's a really key distinction. We don't learn, just learn about Jesus. We learn Jesus. It is a relationship. It's, it's, it's a relationship born out of spending time with him. It's experiential knowledge of him. We have experienced him in Christ. We have experienced Jesus Christ. Now, when we moved to Dallas from Las Vegas, we were introduced to a place, maybe you've heard of it, called Chick-fil-A. I think you, we just didn't have Chick-fil-A's at the time in Las Vegas. We get there, and and we actually become Christians nine months after we moved to Dallas. And people kept telling us about Chick-fil-A. In fact, our our church moved to a new location. There was a Chick-fil-A right down the street. And people were telling us about it, and we knew that. I mean, I knew a lot of things about Chick-fil-A. I knew they had chicken sandwiches, big deal. I I knew that they were a Christian company, that they were out of Atlanta, that I I could tell you a lot of things about Chick-fil-A. And it wasn't until I went to a men's group one day that they had Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And I experienced Chick-fil-A. I learned Chick-fil-A. I'd been learning about Chick-fil-A. If you ever had Chick-fil-A, you know what I'm talking about, right? Spicy chicken sandwich, deluxe. Chick-fil-A sauce, it's really extra pickles. Listen, you can know a lot about Christ and not know Christ. You can learn about Christ, but not know Christ. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, this is not how you learn Christ. And then almost a parenthetical statement, uh, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is told. So what Paul is saying in this first part of this section, he says, our walk is different than it used to be. That's the first truth about our walk. But the second truth is this. Our new walk requires daily surrender. And this is really where the rubber meets the road. The reality is it's easy to revert back to our old lives. In fact, let me put a a, a verse up on the screen. Galatians 5, 16 and 17, a really important verse. Paul says to the church in Galatia, he says, Walk in the Spirit. Why? So you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. In Christ, I mentioned it earlier, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
We have all the Holy Spirit in us we are ever going to need. We just need to stir it up. We need to surrender to the Spirit who is in us. And so Paul is saying, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And it's important to know verse 17, because the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, and the flesh is against the Spirit. They're opposed to one another. So the reality is, if you want to walk a walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called, you need to daily, and let me say it this way, moment by moment, surrender to the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. There's some practical ways to do this, and that's what we want to look at. That's how we want to end this. First of all, we lay aside our old self. He says that in verse 22. Look at verse 22. He says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Now, the imagery he uses there, the, the language, it's the idea of taking off clothes. He's saying, to put off your old self, lay them aside. When I come home at night, I don't know about you, but I like to put on something comfortable. Sweatshirt, T-shirt, comfortable shoes. But before I do that, I got I to gotta take off my old clothes. It doesn't make sense to try to put on other clothes before I take off my other clothes and, and the clothes that I have on. That's what Paul is saying here. He says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. I've got to put that off. In fact, it's in the continuous tense. I need to continually put off my old self because that old self is my old life. That's not who I am anymore. In fact, if you, if you turn to your right, you're in Ephesians right now, turn past Philippians to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. In fact, in, in verses 1 and following of chapter 3, he says, you know, he says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on the things that are, that are above, not the things here on earth. And then he says in verse 5, put to death therefore... There's some things that you've got to put to death. You've got to put away what is earthly in you. And he lists some of them. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, and on the count of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked. That was your old life. When you were living in them. But now, there's the same language. You must put them all away. Put them off. Anger. Put it off. Malice, wrath, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. He's saying, Paul is saying here, if you want to walk a walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called, you need to lay aside your whole, your old self. So let me ask you, what do you need to lay aside? So you can walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you've been called. What do you need to lay aside? So often we get so consumed with the culture that we live in that we can't put on because we're still living with our old grave clothes. In fact, in Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. There's, there's just some things that we need to die to. These are desires that have corrupted you. They're dece deceitful de de desires. 
They may feel right at the time, but that does not make them right. And just because you're in Christ, it does not mean you let your guard down. You must lay aside your old self, not just daily, but what? Moment by moment. In fact, I love what John Piper says. He says, what God has created in the new birth is not a sinless Christian, but a sin fighter. We need to put them off. So the question is, how do you fight sin daily? Daily, you need to depend upon Christ. Daily, you need to abide in Him. Daily, you need to lay off that old self, that abiding. It is to rest in Him. It's to be connected to Him. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Sitting in church, it's easy. Singing worship songs, it's easy. But what about when we leave this building? What happens to our flesh nature? Because remember, there's a battle. Walk in the Spirit so you don't fulfill desires of the flesh. How easy is it all of a sudden to... Somebody cuts you off in traffic and anger comes up. Or jealousy because of what somebody else gets and you don't get. Or fear. Listen, we're going to be tempted... And we need to deal with it immediately. We need to cast it off. We need, in the moment, we just need to cast it off. In fact, John Owen said this. He says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. That's pretty clear. In the moment you sense it, confess it to the Lord. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for my, for my lust. Forgive me for my, for my, uh, um, for my uh, jealousy. Daily surrender by laying aside your old self. God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. First of all, he says we lay aside our old self. Second practical way we daily surrender. We're renewed in our minds. We're renewed in our minds. Look at verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Again, it's in the continuous tense it's to be it's it's daily being renewed in the spirit of your mind let your mind continually be renewed let your heart and your attitude continually be renewed that word renew it means to make young again it's to restore it's the idea of immersing yourself in him here's what i want you to hear stop focusing on what not to do Start focusing on Jesus. I'm telling you, you get this right, it changes everything. We can get so consumed with, I, I, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that. I, this is not, man, that's going to be exhausting. But just start focusing on Jesus. When you do, God will renew us. So the question is, how do we focus on Jesus so our minds will be renewed? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's a passage many of you may know. I'll put it up on the screen. Paul says this. In fact, Romans chapter 12 is kind of like Ephesians chapter 4. Paul has just spent 11 chapters speaking about your old life before Christ. But then he now talks about the change that happens and how we are to live And he says in verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your uh, spiritual worship. And then he says this, do not be conformed to this world. Don't just allow yourself to form into the pattern of the world. 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's saying, be transformed. Continually allow who God is and what he has done to transform you. see two patterns in this. You see the pattern of the world and the pattern of God's will. And the fact is, we learn the will of God through the word of God. We learn the will of God through the, uh, through the word of God. So if I'm going to allow myself to be renewed, and notice this is in the passive tense. Notice what it says in verse Uh, and to be renewed you're not doing the renewing the renewing is being done to you but it doesn't happen in a vacuum we learn the will of God through the word of God so let me give you a couple quick practical steps first of all we learn the will of God when we hear the word we hear the word we put that up on the screen we hear the word Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's one of the things you're getting to do today. You're hearing the word of God. Sometimes when I exercise, I'm listening to the word of God. Many of you may have the uh, YouVersion app. You can listen to the word of God. In fact, back in the first century, they, they didn't have Bibles. They, you know, it was just what they would do is they would go and they would listen to the word of God, hear the word of God. Secondly, read the word, read the word. In fact, in 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul tells Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading. Devote yourself. Let me ask you, are you devoted to the Word of God? Because it's through the Word of God that we learn the will of God, and that's where transformation takes place. Read the Word. Do you have a, do you have a time? Do you have a place? Now, this is not to be legalistic. This is so you can focus on Christ, so now you can get out of this this, this roller coaster life of trying to live the do's and don'ts of Christianity. It's, it's to be transformed from the inside out. Third, study the word. Study the word. In, in 1 Timothy, uh, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter, chapter uh, 2, verse 15, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. And then he says this. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Studying the word is not just for pastors. We're all called to, we study the words. In fact, I've shared this in the past. When Pam and I came to Christ, one of the challenges we got immediately was to to read the word of God daily so we would know the God of the word. That was how our relationship with the Lord was built. Just by Learning him by spending time with him, by allowing him to to change us from the inside out. Hear the word, read the word, study the word, memorize the word. Psalm 119.11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'll never forget, Pam and I were sitting in a Sunday school class, it was 1998, I'll never forget that there was a guy named Marcus Laughlin that he just quoted scripture after scripture after scripture. I'm looking, I'm looking at this guy thinking, he's a freak. Like, we just come to Christ. But I also remember I'm pretty competitive. So I'm thinking, that's what I'm doing. And I'm going to do it better than him. Now, 
It was for all the wrong reasons. But what, God, what man can mean for evil, God can use for good. And the fact is, when we memorize the word, there's just times where all of a sudden, a word that I've memorized might be just what I've needed in that moment. Fifth, meditate on the word. Meditate. I love when Joshua is taken over as leading the nation. He's told by, by God, he says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Psalm 1, uh, 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on, it, on his law he meditates day and night. It's the idea of, of, like, I barbecue a lot. And I've used this illustration many times. And when I barbecue, we barbecue a lot of chicken. And there's nothing worse than a piece of chicken with no seasoning and no marinade. But it's almost just as bad to marinate it for like two minutes and then throw it on the grill. It just burns off. If you want to have a really good piece of chicken, now I'm not charging extra for this. If you want a really good piece of chicken, you marinate it for at least three hours or maybe all day or maybe overnight and then it just kind of permeates. And, and that's what it's talking about. We need to marinate in God's word. So it's like, no matter how you cut us, what comes out, it's the marinade. It's, it's allowing God's word to, to change us, to, to transform us from the inside out. I love what Je- Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 15, 16. He says, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became a joy and the delight of my heart. Paul's saying, have you learned Christ? Finally, practice the word. Hear the word, read the word, study the word, memorize the word, meditate on the word, practice the word. James, be doers of the word. Be doers of the word, and not just hearers. All of this is the idea of resting in Christ, focusing on Christ, abiding in Christ, being connected to the vine. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. As we abide in Jesus, as we, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, all of a sudden the life and the sap and the, and the strength of the Lord starts to press out through us and we produce spiritual fruit. We're not trying to make it happen. It's an inside-out deal. Our minds become renewed. We lay aside our old self. And finally, the way we daily surrender is we put on the new self. Look at verse 24. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we lay aside those old, dirty, grave clothes from our past. The fact is you have a new nature. You have a new wardrobe to put on. Each day, every day, put on who you are in Christ. Be reminded of who you are. Let me put this on the screen. The new self is who I am in Christ. Remember? If you're in Christ, you're chosen. You're adopted. You're loved. You've been accepted. Just for who you are. 
You're blessed. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. You're an heir. You've been sealed. You are gifted. Take off the old and put on the new. You have a new identity. You have a new character. Live that way. Walk that way. I'm telling you, your life becomes radically transformed and it will impact people around you. Now, as the worship team comes up, I just want to talk to a couple of groups that are in the building today. First, maybe you walked in here and you knew about Christ. Or maybe you didn't. But there's good news, and we've talked about that. You can know Christ. Everything that needs to be done for you to have spiritual life, for you to have eternal life, has been done. Jesus accomplished all that needed to be accomplished on the cross. All you need to do is embrace the truth about the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Confess your sin. Turn from your sin. That's called repentance. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But then there's a second group. Those of you who are in Christ... And I'm going to ask you right now to be honest with yourself. How's your walk? How are you doing with laying aside your old self? Or do you find yourself reverting back to it regularly? How are you with being renewed in the spirit of your mind? Are you daily putting on Christ, putting on your new nature, putting on your new self? And, and the fact is, this is a no condemnation zone. In fact, if you're in church, there never should be in con- any condemnation because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But there might be some conviction. And if there's some conviction, that's okay. Turn to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Set your hope on Jesus. Set your heart on Jesus. Set your life on him. And he will show you the way to walk. Follow him. He says, walk this way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that we were dead and you made us alive. Father, we thank you for this truth. And Lord, I pray as a people we would no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds. Lord, that's not the way we've learned Christ. And Father, I pray for those that come here today that maybe don't have a personal relationship with you, that today they would surrender all they are, that all you are. And for the rest of us, Lord, help us to build our lives on the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Father, we thank you for the life you've given us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.